Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh, we're getting down to the nitty gritty now, man. We got some rivalry games coming up. No bigger than Miami is at Florida State. Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com will be there. We'll talk to Matt in just a moment about that and what the heck happened at the University of Florida, why they can't count to 11 all of a sudden, and it's become a big problem for Billy Napier. So lots of college football to talk about here in just one second. Uh, but first, we were out at the Bucks as they began preparation for their game on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. Had a chance to talk to Baker Mayfield, of course, Coach Todd Bowles. Uh, not a great sense of news uh, on the injury front if you're a Bucks fan and um, although these two guys didn't play particularly well but both starting corners Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean neither one practiced on Wednesday that's not a good sign Dean is in concussion protocol and so that's one of those things which you really cannot predict until you get to the very end of the week and Carlton Davis has a, a toe injury which is something that is, has plagued him in the past so neither neither player, they were the only two not to practice on Wednesday, and we'll see if they're able to do more as the week progresses or at least by Friday as they get ready to play the Tennessee Titans. And a young quarterback in Will Levis that is going to make that start for the Titans. Uh, they have not won a game on the road yet. The Bucs uh, have just one win at Raymond James Stadium. So we'll talk more about that, of course, as the week goes on and get you ready uh, tomorrow for the Bucks. Game on Sunday at 1 o'clock at Raymond James Stadium. Matt Baker coming up. But first, I wanted to tell you guys that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros at May Electric Solar, they've been installing solar energy systems now in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service, and while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insurer, means your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is completely covered. Solar Insurer even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. And this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, best time of the week. Get to talk college football with Matt Baker as we're rolling closer and closer to Thanksgiving, which seems to mean that uh, we're getting towards the end of this long journey. And, Matt, I, I kind of wanted to start up the road here at Gainesville. You were at the Florida Gators game against Arkansas. You had one of the most interesting headlines I think I've read uh, online, in the paper, anywhere uh, of, of the last – since football season began at least. And it was the following. Why can't Billy Napier's Florida Gators count to 11? <laughs> 
explain. Listen, it's supposed to be, and you go into some detail about how he's supposed to be a detailed guy. Yeah, that's the thing that gets me. Because, um, look, there's there's been plenty of teams over the years where somebody, you know, there were only 10 guys on the field or there were 12 guys on the field. That happens everywhere, you know, screw-ups happen. The, the crazy thing to, to me about all of this is Billy Napier, when he got the job, everything was about how detail-oriented he was. Um, Scott Strickland, if you go back and parse what he said after he fired Dan Mullen, he didn't say anything about... He, he was very careful of what he said. He, you know, he didn't want to throw Dan under the bus and, and took the high road and, and, and good for him for that. Um, but what he did say that the criticism such as it was, was that, you know, everybody looks at the losses, but the losses are a symptom of a lot of little things you have to pay attention to. So you can read that pretty clearly. Dan Mullen's flaw at Florida was he let the little things go, a lack of accountability. Uh, you know, you look at obviously the, the shoe throwing as one of the many little things that happened that led to him snowballing. So the idea is you you know, you, you miss one way, you swing the opposite direction. You, you hire Billy Napier, who's this meticulous guy. And I went back and looked at what Strickland said the day he hired Billy. Um, and the words that came up, that this is what Strickland said. You know, when I talk to people, these are the words they used. Organized, detailed, and methodical were some of them. Mm. So that, to me, means this is a guy who's going to be detail-oriented and make sure all the little things are right. And to continue rambling, I was thinking back on it before his first, before Billy's first camp, uh, preseason camp in Gainesville. The the thing that we were all writing about that day was how Billy is changing everything. Everything is so detailed down to what color socks we wear. If it's a day to wear white socks, nobody's wearing blue socks. And the idea that the, all these little things matter. So I say that to say, all the little things matter. Yet in at least four, maybe five games this year, they didn't have 10 guys on the field during at least one special teams play. Mm. I don't know how to square the two. And I asked Billy that, how, how does this keep happening? And he gave a very detailed or a very technical response with, okay, against Arkansas, uh, one of the guys on the field goal block team got hurt the previous play, his backup wasn't on the same page, so he didn't get out there. And okay, that's fine. And all of the explanations he's given in, in these type of circumstances in the past have been very detailed. This is the specific thing that happened. We weren't sure whether it was going to be a punt or a field goal. So we got confused. The guys didn't get on. Okay, I get all of that on its own. But when you've got a trend and you've got a detail-oriented coach where they can't get the most basic thing, because for, for all the things with, with, with the college football, there's so many discrepancies, how much you can pay people, how many analysts you have on the staff. The one constant, the one limiting factor is you can only have 11 guys on the field. And Florida multiple times this year has not done that. And no, it was not the, the reason that the Gators lost to, to Arkansas. However, maybe the 11th guy on the field blocks that field goal. Right, like that's not a crazy thing to assume. Or if that happens against uh, LSU this weekend, maybe LSU sees it and they run a fake. Like right? Th this type of thing is a symptom of a bigger issue that, to me, I still cannot wrap my head around. Rick. Well, and it, it, I think you make a good point with respect to you know how you don't have the right number of players on the field, and and, and this even began in Utah uh, when they had two players of the same number and all that thing. Okay, that's a mm -hmm. little more technical. 
Um, but this is bigger, uh, and, and it goes to the organization of the game and the sideline and everything. When you have to burn a pair of timeouts mm-hmm. uh, to start the fourth quarter to avoid delay of game penalties, that's a sideline issue. That's an operation issue, right? That's getting the play, the personnel in issue, lined up, ready to go. Um, that's coaching, pure and simple. It, it's it's game day management, and that's just another symptom of that that you wrote about. Yeah, that's that was one of the the issues they had. You know, you look at the the, the fact. Just when you when you think back to that Arkansas loss, the thing that I'm going to think of is Florida being unsure whether to run the field goal team or, or the yeah. the offense on the field in the closing seconds, and that was a miscommunication. Again, it's a it's a somebody heard something or thought he heard something he runs on the field the field goal team runs too oh no we're not supposed to do that you guys go back okay that's one screw up and it's bad and it was costly um but it was one screw up but it was compounded by the fact that florida was you know didn't have the timeouts left because they burned too earlier yeah so so that's the type of thing that factors into it where it's not just one little issue it's a bunch of issues and as we look at where the gators are right now under billy the the game management has clearly been an issue, clearly, and it's you know he's in that he's getting in that Mario Cristobal realm with me. And I think I've said mm-hmm. that before on here, where yeah. I, I think he's a really good recruiter. I mean, the the, the numbers speak for themselves. There, they got a top three recruiting class, and assuming it stands, um, and, and the culture and all that stuff, I think he can do and has done a fine job with that. But it doesn't matter if you don't have 11 guys on the field. It doesn't no. matter if you burn two timeouts in the fourth quarter so you don't have them in the closing seconds when you need them. So that's kind of the issue there. And that's the thing that is going to have to get addressed. And and I have some theories and some ideas on what's going to happen there. Um, but clearly there has to be something to fix the operations because it has cost them games already. And as you know, as this ship moves forward uh, throughout the, the the brutal three games to end of the year, and then next year's just, I mean, what seriously might be the hardest schedule in the history of Florida football uh, in twenty four, they're going to have to fix that if they're going to have a chance of having a decent season. Yeah, I mean, listen, the game is so hard as it is, and, and especially in the SEC, um, they're so competitive uh, that you, you you can't give away things like that, and it just simply. Is is going to come bite to bite and you know, back to bite them, and it has. Um, little things are big things, and if you can't line up, if you can't get the snap count, if you can't do the basic things, it's going to be really difficult to win games because it, it it's just a tough league. So speaking of tough leagues, okay, here where are they at now? For goodness sakes, I mean, this team is going to really really struggle now at five and four, three and three in the SEC uh, to try to get that sixth win and 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 perhaps. Uh, be eligible for a bowl game. They're at number eighteen LSU. I don't. I don't feel good about any of the Gators' remaining games. To be honest with you, no, I, I don't either. Um, it, the LSU argument I would make is we don't know about Jaden Daniels' health. That's a good um, point. Yeah, you know he fair. got yeah he had the hard hit against Alabama and mm-hmm. last you know last I heard he was going to practice wasn't quite cleared for contact. If he plays. Yeah, I mean, that's really, really hard to see Florida winning that. Uh, Jaden's one of the best couple players in the country um, and a Heisman Trophy candidate. And, I mean, you look at what Florida's done the last couple weeks. Um, they've given up at least 39 points in three consecutive games. Again, mm. there, there were really good 
players are there and Carson Beck and, and KJ Jefferson's excellent and, and Spencer Rattler. Um, but the fact is they've given up 39 points in three straight games. Last yeah. time that happened, 1917. So it what? wasn't just it wasn't just before the pandemic. <laughs> oh right? It was before the last pandemic before that. Um, and then, wow. by the way, LSU is number three in the country and scoring 45 points a game. Oh boy! And yeah. Missouri can can put up points. And Florida State in uh-huh. the finale, they can put up points. So Florida's Oof. defense that maybe we thought might have been fixed earlier in the year. It, we found out they've got some issues and yeah, it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle. You know, this, this one in, in uh, Baton Rouge death Valley is a special, special place at night. If Jaden Daniels is healthy, then it's, it's hard to see him winning that one. Then you go to Missouri. Uh, I think it's a noon game that could be very cold, which adds another wrinkle. And then obviously Florida state playing for a lot, uh, potentially in the finale. So it's a very it's it's hard to see him making a bowl, and we'll see how everything shapes out shakes out after that. But if this goes the way you expect it to, that Arkansas loss is going to be the one that you point back to and say that cost the Gators a lot. Yeah, maybe more than we know at this point. But uh, you're right when you give up 39. What was it a month ago or three weeks ago to South Carolina, 43 to Georgia? This is headed the wrong way, especially on defense. So LSU. Could score some points, um, and we'll see if Florida can give them a game. All right, you're going to be, I would assume, at the uh, the rivalry game. And Florida State has a couple of these. I mean, you know, say what you want about Florida. They still got to play the Gators, and, mm-hmm. and that is always a, a big, big rivalry, uh, even though they're, they're prohibitively better than Florida this year. But Miami is at Florida State, and here's what I wonder about the Seminoles. Um, Matt, there is zero margin of error for them if they want to make it to the college football uh, playoffs. That, that's just the way I see it. I, I don't know that that they can't they can get there unless they run the table. So, do these rivalry games? I mean, even though Florida State I think is better than these teams are going to play, um, does it add a little bit of degree of difficulty for them? I, I certainly think so. Uh, obviously, I'm not in the the selection committee, um, but as I look at it as an AP voter. My general rule, and again, there's different circumstances and what have you, but one of my general rules is I don't care if you win a rivalry game by one point or 50 points, right? Mm-hmm. If you win a rivalry game, I don't care how sloppy it is, that counts for something. You know, if yeah. Georgia beats Florida, even if Florida's not that good, hey, you Georgia wins a rivalry game, that's a big deal. Just because that's, you know, the whole throw the records out thing. So, yeah. I will certainly look at it that way. If Florida State beats Miami, even if it's a if it's a close one down to a wide left or something like that, if they win, then they win and they get the the style points associated with it. Just because, look, Florida State Miami is intense. It, I, I think I said it before on this show. It's my favorite game to cover every year. Hmm. Um, just because, no matter how good or how bad the teams are, and believe me, I've seen some of both. Yeah, it's the stakes are so high. Those two teams hate each other. Mm-hmm. You can tell the way they hit. It's just different. I mean, I remember Brad Kaya getting a tooth knocked out, the, the Miami quarterback, and like the first or second play of the game down in in, in, uh, in Miami Gardens one year. Uh, c- certainly last year there was some really big pit hits from Florida State to Miami, and then just the drama. You know, you think of the wide left and wide right, and the block at Hard Rock, and and fourth and fourteen, and all those things. 
there's just so much with this game where even the blowouts like in 2020 and last year there's still a lot going on there so um yeah i'm i'm excited for this one just because there's so much going on and and i I think miami can keep it certainly make it entertaining and make it close for a bit Mm -hmm. um and, and there's there's a path to victory for them um florida state's run defense is okay um that's kind of one of the 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 the, the weaker links here in this this Knowles chain and Miami's run offense has gotten better over the course of the year. They've gotten better at kind of the tough yards as, as Mario Cristobal said it the other day. So maybe there is a path there if they can run the ball well enough and if they can figure out what's going on with, uh, with Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback, why he's been so bad and, and assume I'm assuming he starts. I don't know that he will. Um, so maybe you can talk yourself into to somehow it being a, a close game, but no matter what happens is it will be intense. One more thing I noticed, Matt, about Florida state and I don't, you know, it's not every game, but a few games, especially against teams they were favored uh, heavily against They've gotten up to some slow starts. Is there any concern about the way they've started some of these games? Yeah, absolutely. It, there's I've, I've compared them to looked at the the, the numbers to comparing this team to 2013 because obviously that that won the national championship a decade ago. But there's a little bit of 2014 in a, in this team too. And 14, uh, it, just to refresh your memory, that was the year where you know a lot of the guys came back. Jameis re- regressed from his Heisman form, which you know he regressed to the mean a little bit. Um, but they sleepwalked through first halves. They sleepwalked against Louisville. Uh, they did it against Miami. Uh, right. They did it in some That's other right. ones where the first half teams looked average, and the second half teams looked like a team that could go to the playoff. And obviously, they did, and then got crushed by Oregon. So yes, I definitely think there's a little reason to be concerned there. I think this, the way Norvell has structured everything. And this program, and he's said this before, and he'll say it again, uh, everything is built around finishing strong, finishing strong in a season, finishing strong in a game. So I think to some degree they're cool with being a second-half team. But if this team is going to get to where I think they can get, which is first of all the playoff and then having a chance to win the thing, they're not going to be able to, to be sluggish for no. – 20 minutes against Georgia or 20 minutes against Michigan or whoever it is. That's right. That will be the difference between a win and a loss right there, because they're not going to be able to outscore them 17, nothing in the second half or something like that. So I absolutely think that's a, a, a concern for this Florida state team. Yeah. Should be a point of emphasis. It is hard to beat uh, team, good teams uh, in a one and done situation. When you, when you get behind and you're playing, you're trying to play uphill. That's tough. All right, so um, that'll be a great one. I love Miami. You're right. I love Miami, Florida State. A hundred years ago, I would go to these games and cover them. Sometimes right a sidebar, whatnot. You know, back in the, the Deion Sanders days and everything. And I'm just telling you, um, for so long, it was those teams were not only deciding, uh, they were deciding national championships. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it just that's the way it was every single year. So um, there's a, there's just a ton of tradition there. Um, okay, hey, I so got, I got one more thing on yeah. this, Rick. I'm sorry. No, um, go for it. It, and I'm saying this in, in parts before I write it. So if somebody yells at me that I'm a moron and I forgot something, let me know. But uh, <laughs> just talking about the history here, as best I can tell, and I went through some old box scores tonight, Jordan Travis has a chance to be the first Florida State quarterback ever to start in three wins over Miami in a row. Oh, that's probably that's, right. That's you know never, yeah. it's best I can tell that's never happened. The closest I could find 
Gary Huff from from Lado High School uh, came off yeah. the bench in one, and then started in two wins the, you know, the, the next year. So Jordan Travis already, you know, in in this in the annals of Florida State Miami history, he's already in there, but he's got a chance to do something really special this weekend. Yeah, he's he's separating himself from a lot of of, of Florida State quarterbacks and players uh-huh. in general. It's really been remarkable what he's been able to accomplish, and of course this year might have a chance to play for a national championship, but they've got to keep it going because I don't think the math favors them with the strength of schedule, all those things, uh, if they were, were to lose one game. So they really, they've been playing with this no margin for error for some time, and yet they've been able to handle it um, up to this point. But uh, yeah, these rivalry games are coming up. They're going to be they're going to be interesting. All right, just uh, quickly, USF didn't get it done at Memphis State. They got host Temple, still a team that looks like they could go to a bowl game, right? Oh yeah, you you called them Memphis State. Well, that's, that's old my school, old, man. but that's my old Arkansas State, you know, bias. Oh, I mean, okay. To me, okay. we're still the Indians. They call them the Red Wolves. It's the Memphis State Tigers. I know. I'm a hundred years old. I get it. But <laughs> and to me, they will always be the Memphis State Tigers. Okay, so Memphis, they didn't play well. I didn't think, right. uh, to say the very least. And and so now this is a winnable game. This is a game at home. This is a game against Temple that you should and could beat. And and they need to get this win. Oh, absolutely. Um, just a couple of thoughts on this. The last time, the last time I looked, the line on this USF was favored by a touchdown. It's the first time they've been favored by a touchdown against an FBS team since October fifth, twenty nineteen, against UConn. So it's it's wow. been a minute. <laughs> and again, this speaks to as we talk about the the baby steps and the little yeah, you know the, yeah. the growth from Alex Golish and his program. That's one of them. And then I I think they'll I think they've got a good chance to win. Um, I think this could be sh- you know could be shootout potential just because USF's defense is still a, a work in progress, let's say. Um, and uh, Kurt Warner's son, EJ, that is a quarterback at Temple, is the number six passer in the country in terms of yards per game and against the USF defense being kind of shaky. And then add in the fact, obviously, that the Bulls' offense has been quite prolific, uh, getting you know, 50 points the other day. I think this one has maybe shootout potential, but as we look at this and, and USF's growth, this is one that if they're going to get to six and get to a bowl, they absolutely have to have. And I think they've got a good chance against it uh, of making it happen this weekend. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I do too. And, and uh, up the road in Orlando, Oklahoma State is going to visit uh, Central Florida. So winding up sort of the first year in the Big 12, how's it treating the uh, Knights? Yeah, not great. Um, this is one of those be careful what you wish for things uh, where the Knights wanted to be in a bigger conference, and they are, but the problem with being in a bigger conference is everybody else is bigger too. And the interesting thing to me about this and why I think this one could get, I wanted to talk about it just to, to this one could get ugly. And I say that because UCF's run defense is, I think, the fourth worst in the country. Uh, Oklahoma State's got the best running back in the country, and Ollie Gordon, uh, who's doing things that 
Oklahoma State running backs haven't done since Barry Sanders. Um, and that's not hyperbole, that's fact. And when you think about the really good running backs that Oklahoma State has had over the years, Ollie Gordon's got a chance to go down as one of the best of, of them, at least this season. And, you know, being All-American and, and maybe get an invite to New York for the Heisman for all we know. So I think that's a matchup that does not look good for, for UCF at all. No, no, he's a great one, and, and he's been fun to watch. But, yeah, think about that. Barry Sanders, no less, uh, somebody that you could uh, take down in the record books there. Okay, a couple of big games on the map, uh, ranked teams, and there is so much going on that we could do an entire two hours probably on the Big Ten and the craziness that is that conference, especially with Michigan and the Ceiling Steins and all of that. They are at Penn State. Anytime Michigan plays now, uh, there's a little extra sauce on it, right? So, does you know? I I think they're a great team. They I, I thought I saw the other day where Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh is predicting you're going to have twenty twenty two players drafted or go to the NFL off this football team. So, um, I think they're better than Penn State. But I just wonder how much of this intrigue will kind of be a distraction or or ramp up pressure against. I don't know. I don't know if if it's a thing or not. You're talking about young players that have to hear a lot of stuff. Well, yes, the young players hearing the stuff is part of it, um, and, and that's completely valid. But the, the coaches are human beings too, right? Yeah. So any second that Jim Harbaugh has had just been talking to the NCAA, mm. talking to his lawyer, talking to the Big Ten, whatever it is, that's a second he's not spending thinking about Penn State. Yeah. And you know, I, we're recording this. It's 940 on Wednesday mm. evening. There's a non-zero chance that Jim Harbaugh is suspended for Saturday. And maybe longer than that. Like that—that's—that's that's a realistic possibility that the Big Ten could say, you know what? Wow. We've seen enough. We can't let this. We can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's a factor in this too, and it's a complete unknown. And then, so so there's that sideshow. Um, the actual on the field stuff. Michigan has kicked the crap out of everybody, but when the best teams they've played are the Fighting Shianos at Rutgers <laughs> and UNLV. I don't know how good they are. I, I, I just don't. And that's why I've had them. I think I've got them a fifth on my, my AP top 25 ballot um, at the, the bottom end of that kind of top tier, just because I, I feel better about knowing how good Washington is because the one over Oregon and Florida States doesn't have the greatest schedule, but they've at least beaten some competent teams, top 40 teams. Um, and Michigan doesn't. So I, I'm very curious to, to pay attention and watch this one just because we will finally get a gauge for is this Michigan team really good or are they just good or are they even are they are they great and are they a national championship contender or even the national championship front runner so that's why this one is so fascinating to me because I could see it going any number of ways you know what I think is good and bordering on really good is Alabama and I think uh-huh. they proved that against LSU uh, Kentucky's had its moments uh, the last couple of years certainly this year. Uh, but this Alabama team is the one that if there's going to be a one-loss team and they go ahead and finish this thing out, uh, they may find themselves in the college football national championship picture, no question. Yeah, it will be interesting to see because I think Bama's going to need some help, right? Where, yes, yes. Because Texas beat them head-to-head in Tuscaloosa. That's right. And, yeah, you could talk about, oh, that was in, what, September? It was week two, week three, whatever it was. Bama's a better team now. But the fact is those two, two teams played, and 
and Texas won. That's so true. if we're if we're in a scenario at the end of the year where Texas is a one loss Big uh-huh. Twelve champion, Alabama is a one loss SEC champion, they're fighting for the number four spot. Texas should get it. So that's the concern there. But you're right. Alabama has turned it on. Uh, this isn't the first time. It took them a bit to find their quarterback. Yep. You know, I, I think the Jalen Hurts year, there was something weird going on early. Um, when they won the national title uh, with, with Jake Coker, he was benched against Ole Miss and Cooper Bateman started, and then they put Coker back in and the rest is history. So th- this happens. It's not just at, at Alabama. It happens at other places too, but that's really what we've seen here where they, it took them a bit to figure out how to use Milrow at quarterback, and they have, and they've realized he, when he runs and they let give him that freedom, he's a special player. And, yeah, I, I think they've got a really good chance to win out here uh, in the regular season and then set up a, a monumental showdown with Georgia, probably with a playoff berth at stake. I do, too. I, I wanted to ask you, and we'll get to the college uh, football uh, national championship poll here uh, in just a second, or rankings, I should say. Uh, but before that, there was a big game, and when I say big game, against two Heisman contenders, to say the very least, and, and I watched a good bit of this game, between Washington and Michael Penix and then Caleb Williams with USC. Now, one guy ended up you know, in the, in the lap of his mom after the game, having lost, and they, they're calling it like the Lambo weep, I guess. But uh, that aside... Uh, these two guys really were impressive, and they, it was it was like a it was like a heavyweight fight. Um, did anybody? I mean, does Penix continue to build the best Heisman resume at this point? Do you think among the quarterbacks or not? If I had to vote today, I think I would have him one. Um, mm-hmm. Just what he's done over the course of the year, uh, his numbers are extremely impressive, and then beating Caleb Williams head to head that that I think does kind of count for something it it's not you know caleb williams is not the reason usc lost no it's, not at all he's he's not playing defense, defense and giving up 250 rushing yards right like <laughs> that's right. It, that's right it's that's not on him um but the fact is Penix is excellent and the the one scramble he had where he spun out of something rolled left and threw a 30 yard dart for a touchdown i mean he, he's unbelievable um so yeah Penix is, is certainly the front runner to me but there's a good amount of other guys in there too. You know, Bo Nix at Oregon, and I think we're going to see Bo go up against Penix again for the, the, the Pac-12 championship. championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Travis, you know, I, I wrote about that the other day on, on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Um, he he's had injuries to his receivers the last two weeks, and had a season high 359 yards against Wake, and then a season high 360 against Pitt. Again being down receivers. I think that speaks really highly to what he's been able to do. Um, and then, you know, J- Jaden Daniels, you, you look at what he did against Bama when he was, when he was playing right. and you look at what they did without him. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things like, well, it's pretty clear who's driving the ship here. No, not that it was in doubt, but that was just another kind of underscoring his importance and, and just uh, what an amazing player he is. And, and so yeah, there's a good amount of guys in that discussion. But right now, if I had to vote, Penix would be the guy. And the first college football poll, we'll wrap it up on this, uh, Matt. Uh, Ohio State is ranked number one, Georgia two, Michigan three, and Florida State just ahead of Washington. What do you think of, of those rankings? And um, listen, I, Washington has a very impressive win over Oregon. I, I, 
I think they're really close to Florida State, and I, I know that FSU's ranked ahead of them now, um, but they have a really good case, and they, they're going to probably have to play Oregon again, as you mentioned. But uh, did you think they get, did they get it right so far that Ohio State should be number one right now? I still have Ohio State number one on my ballot just based yeah. on their overall resume with with the win over Penn State, the, yeah. the win over Notre Dame. Um, I, I'll take that against anybody. And, and the fact that they haven't had a lot of close calls either. That's if you're true, just yeah. looking at you know up and down their scores, it's not like they had a, a, you know, other than Notre Dame one, which again, that's a good team. You can take that. They, they've They've... They've handled their business against the teams they should have handled their business mm-hmm. against. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that about everybody else. And we can nitpick some of them. Like, you know, Washington had an eight-point win over a bad Arizona State team. Right. Only beat Stanford by nine. So, like, there's reasons why you can put Washington down there. But it, the fact is, this is going to sort itself out. Yeah. Well. Uh, right? Because Ohio State's going to play Michigan. If both of them are undefeated, um, which it, you know, I suspect they will be, then... One of them obviously loses, and then you've got you know four uh, four conference champions there in terms of whoever wins the uh, the SEC, you know, and, the yeah. SEC and, and Ohio State slash Michigan and Florida State mm-hmm. and Washington, and you can see it all sorting itself out that way. Um, yeah. But if there's losses in there, if Washington stubs his toe against Utah or the next week at Oregon State, either one of those totally possible, by the way, um, then. Washington will have a, have to play its way in by by beating Oregon for the Pac-12, and at that point it becomes a lot kind of shakier. But yeah, I, get, I I had a couple minor issues with, with the committee, but nothing major to the point where I was outraged and this is egregious and this is the worst thing that's ever happened. No, I get it. I think I you know the the committee chair uh, Boo Corgan actually said that that four and five were about as close as can be with Florida State and Washington, and I totally get it. But the good thing is. It'll sort itself out one way or the other. Yeah, it's still it, it, it's you know it's going to get late early, but it, it but we're not there yet, and we get still got conference championship games and and of course Ohio State, Michigan, and, and uh, that's going to have a lot to do with it too. So he's Matt Baker. He's going to be up the road in Tallahassee, his home away from home at times, uh, <laughs> and watching the Miami Hurricanes come in there and play against Florida State, which which hopefully will be an entertaining game and. One that certainly the Seminoles cannot afford to slip up and lose. So uh, safe travels, Matt. We'll talk to you next week, man. You got it. Thanks, Rick. All right, thanks to Matt Baker. Hey, a little uh, lightning action at Emily Arena. It's going to be the Chicago Blackhawks. Connor Bedard, the, the first overall pick, a young mm-hmm. superstar in waiting. And then Corey Perry still around me. <laughs> he comes back. Uh, to haunt maybe the lightning, I guess we know what he'll be right in front of the net, right? Is that where he's going? Uh, the the worm, again? yes. That's what. That's exactly where he'll be parked. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, he'll get a good reception for the the time that he was uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, did not win a Stanley Cup, correct? He was always that guy that came in a year too late. Yep, he uh, went to the finals what three straight years with three different teams yeah. and and didn't win any of them. So didn't get a ring. That's a tough distinction, but. Uh, lightning, lightning. Now he won well. one. I mean, he won one as like a uh, rookie or second year. He was in the league years so. ago. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Fourteen, fifteen years. Yeah. Yep. So it's been a long time. But to get back uh, that often and and not get the ring is tough. But I'm sure he'll get a warm reception because he was a a good player and a good big part of that team. Anyway, we'll be uh, back at the Bucks uh, talking to uh, Dave Canales, talking to their defensive coordinators and coaches, of course, about. The game against the Tennessee Titans. We'll get you ready for that on Friday as well as your mailbag questions. 
Appreciate you guys listening each and every day. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.